Hey, I'm Brandon, the online campus pastor here at Big Valley Grace, and thank you for taking a moment to watch this message. It is the teaching portion from one of our live weekend worship gatherings, and we have those every single weekend here online and in person, and I just want to extend an invitation to you to join us. We're just a local church, local body of believers, and we would love if you would join us uh, on a weekend upcoming here sometime soon. Uh, but as we get headed into this message together, a couple things just want to point you to. One is a connect card. If there's any way that, that we can pray for you, if you want to contact us, that Connect card form is just a really great way uh, to let us know that you're joining us. Any next steps you want to take, stuff like that is right on there. Also, if you want to bring an offering, a worshipful gift uh, to King Jesus, you can do that right on our Give page on our website or via text. So hope you enjoy the unpacking, the unfolding of the Word as we look at it together. Well, I also want to welcome you to Big Valley Grace Community Church. Welcome to everyone who's here at the Modesto campus. Welcome everyone who's joining us live right now in our online campus. If it is your very first time with us at Big Valley Grace Community Church, we want you to know we're really glad that you're here. We hope that today is an incredible encouragement to you and that when you leave today, that you're strengthened from being with God's family, being in God's word together with his people. Thank you, my friend. And so if it is your first time, we just want you to know we're really glad that you're here. Welcome. We hope that today is a great experience for you. We're in a series called Members of the Body. We're looking at what is it to be a member of the body of Christ. Last week we were in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This week we're going to back it up one chapter to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And so if you have a Bible, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible, we want to give you a Bible. It is our gift to you. There is a room right over here called the altar room and we'd encourage you right after the gathering to come to the altar room we have bibles there free bibles we want to give you a bible if you are with us in the online campus just contact pastor brandon peterson we'll get a bible to you we want every person to have a copy of the word of god that you might be able to read the word for yourself and so we'll be in first corinthians chapter 11 but before we get into our text today I just want to give an update. We had a conference during Friday and Saturday here at Big Valley Grace Community Church. It was called Choose Wisely. The purpose of the conference was to help people uh, really be prepared in choosing a spouse, people who are seeking to be married. They want to be married. Uh, they're engaged or they want to be married in the future. And it was a great conference. I want to say thank you to everyone who served because to put on a conference, it's a, it's a lot of people using their gifts and talents in service to the Lord, and it really is an opportunity to build up our church and to outreach to the community. There were 165 uh, who registered, plus those who came at the door. So thank you to everyone who served uh, to help put on the Choose Wisely conference. I really, really appreciate that. And when we were thinking about marriage, there was something that I experienced this last week that really impacted me in the thought of marriage I had the opportunity to serve at the memorial and the burial for Captain Max Fortuna, and I asked his family if I could utilize his Bible, and so I had his Bible, and it was, a, it was an older Bible from 1988, it was the print on it, and um, there was one sheet of paper in the Bible, and the one sheet of paper that was in the Bible was actually sermon notes from a sermon that was, that was preached from right here. It was an old sermon, and he had kept the notes, and the title of the sermon was Having a Wonderful Marriage. And I thought, you learn a lot about somebody when you look at their Bible, and this, this man had kept that sermon notes in his Bible, Having a Wonderful Marriage. And I thought that partnered with the testimony of his children that mom and dad loved one another greatly 
as they followed Christ. And I thought, isn't that kind of the point? That when you seek to be married, what's the end of the story? What do you want the end of the story to look like? That you would look back at the end of the story and, you know, if God willing blesses you with children, your children rise up and call mom and dad blessed. That they follow the Lord. And uh, that they would have that kind of testimony. So may God be with us in all of our marriages. That we would be strengthened in our marriages to honor the Lord. And that at... uh, when our vows are fulfilled, that we would have that kind of testimony for the Lord. So I'm praising God for that. The passage that we're gonna look at today is we're looking at being a member of the body of Christ. Last week we looked at what it is to be a member, but really to understand the head. The head is Christ, and we're members of the body, but he's the head. It's all about the exaltation of Christ. We keep that in mind as we look at the passage today. This passage is about when the body of Christ comes together. Literally in the passage, it says multiple times, when you come together. When you come together. So we've come together right now, and this passage really addresses when you come to worship Jesus Christ together. Now, there's a question that my dad asks, you know, when you're trying to consider what to do in a situation. My dad has this great question, and the question is this. What would the enemy want? What would the enemy want? Because if you can figure out what the enemy wants, probably the opposite of that is what God would have you to do. And so when we're going to look at this passage, things aren't going real well in this text. And we're going to look at it. What is the enemy trying to do? And what is Christ trying to do as we look at this passage? So when you come to worship Jesus Christ together, first, when we worship together, it's to build the church. It's to build the church. The enemy wants to make things worse, and Christ wants to make the church better. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 uh, it, it correlates husbands and wives and Christ in the church. And this is what it says. Husband loves your, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, the church, that he, Christ, might sanctify her, the church, having cleansed her, the church, by the washing of water with the word, so that he, Christ, might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she, the church, might be holy and without blemish. It is the desire of Christ, it is the sacrifice of Christ that the church might be built. And the enemy wants to make it worse. Christ wants to make it better. Look at the first verse, verse 17. That's the first verse of our text, 1 Corinthians 11, 17. Things aren't going well. Paul writes to this church, but in the following instructions, I do not commend you because when you come together, it's not for the better, but for the worse. Think of that statement. He's literally saying when you gather together as a church, it gets worse. When you come together as a church, it actually makes things worse. What a statement. Not good, right? Not good. And so he's saying, I can't really commend you in that. But the enemy wants to make things worse. The enemy wants to screw up the church. Christ wants to make the church better. Christ is building the church. Jesus says about himself in Matthew 16, 18, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In other words, Christ is gonna build the church in the midst of the attack of the enemy. So the enemy is attacking, the attack is real, and yet Christ will build his church in the midst of the attack. What should that do? That should give us courage, and that should give us boldness and confidence, not in ourselves, but in the fact that even though the the enemy attacks, even in the middle of that attack, Christ is going to get the job done, and he is going to build his church. That should give us confidence as we share the gospel, and it should give us confidence as we make disciples to not be afraid to invite people to Christ. Because in the midst of the attack, Christ is gonna build his church. 
A few chapters later here in 1 Corinthians 14, there's an encouragement given that we should strive to excel in building up the church. So when we come together for worship, we should strive to excel in building up the church. That means we need to have a mindset of loving one another and loving the people that we're with so that when we come together as a church family, our thoughts towards one another are loving because we are for one another because we wanna seek to build up the church. We wanna work together that the church might be built up. Worship together, number one, is to build the church. Worship together, number two, is to unite the church. The enemy wants to create division, but Christ makes the church one. It's the high priestly prayer of Jesus in John 17. He prays, Father, as you and I are one, may all the disciples, those who believe in Christ, may they be one as you and I are one. It is the heart, it is the prayer of Christ that we would be united. The enemy wants to tear it apart. Divide it. Verse 18 in our text, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. So what he's saying is the, the report that has been given about this church is that they were divided. And when they were coming together, they were experiencing division. Now, this is my encouragement for us as we think about when we come together as a church. What is our mindset? When we come together as a church family, what is our mindset? Is our mindset about dividing or is our mindset about uniting? And here's maybe a way that we can tell. When we come to worship together, the thoughts that we have towards the people that we see, is it critical? Is it judgmental? To where I see somebody or I think about things in the church and immediately I'm thinking negative things? Well, if that's the case, it might be an indicator that you've got a dividing heart when you're coming together with a church family. What about when you see people in the church family or you think about the church family and you think encouragement for them and you think love for them and you think, how can I build that person up? How can I support that person? How can I be a part of the solution of helping that person to follow Christ? Okay, well, if you're thinking like that, then you probably have a mindset that is uniting. And so we need to be thinking about that. What is the mindset that we're coming with when we come to gather together? Is it dividing or is it uniting? And I would share two things we need to be really careful of. Preferences and distractions, that we wouldn't let preferences and distractions lead us. And what do I mean by that? I mean this, this half of the room has a certain preference and it's probably the exact opposite of this half of the room. Now, I, I don't literally mean the halves, then you guys are at odds with each other, but you understand what I'm saying. We're human and everybody sees things different, has different preferences. Or what about distractions? Like, you know, this half of the room might say, well, you know, worship, we have to do it this way, otherwise it's distracting to me. And that's the exact opposite of this half. And this half is going, no, that's actually help, what helps me worship is when we do it like that. And we've got to be careful about leading with preferences or distractions. Jesus has told us how he wants to be worshipped. It's in spirit, or in, truth, in spirit and in truth. That's how Jesus wants to be worshipped. He wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth. And we need to keep the head of the church the focus when we come to worship together and to not be dividing now, Jesus makes a contrast between the thief and the good shepherd in John 10. This is how he describes it. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. So that's the game plan of the enemy towards the church. Steal, kill, destroy the church members of it. What is the game plan of Christ? He says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. 
Okay, what did he do for that? He said, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The price of unity in the church is this right here. It's the cross of Jesus Christ because on the cross of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ sheds his blood. He he gives his body as a sacrifice and he sheds his blood so that unity in the church could even be possible. It is the value of the church is the blood of Christ. And Christ gave his life so that the church might exist. And Christ, it is the prayer of Christ who gave his life so the church might exist, that the church would be united and that we would be together. So worship together, number two, is to unite the church. Worship together, number three, to identify the church. Jesus said that a tree will be recognized by its fruits. And you can't go and try and find a piece of fruit on the wrong kind of tree. Whatever kind of tree it is, that's what's gonna come out. That's the kind of fruit that's gonna be had. And the enemy wants to produce counterfeits, but Christ makes the church real. The enemy wants there to be counterfeit Christians, counterfeit churches, but Christ makes the church real, followers of Christ who are really following him. Verse 19, a really interesting verse. It says, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. In other words, when the church comes together, there are genuine followers of Christ. People who are uh, bought by the blood of Christ, who are a part of the body of Christ, who are worshiping Jesus. And when there are factions, those who are counterfeits, if you will, you can tell the difference between the two. In fact, one of the ways you can identify someone who's genuinely following Christ is because you can see when someone is not. And I think that's very interesting. This week I thought, what's happening in our world with counterfeits? So I did a little search in the news. And this week in the news, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe stuff like this is still going on. So in the New York Times, a guy at Home Depot, works at Home Depot for four years. This guy has been, he stole $387,500 by taking a fake $100 bill one at a time and, re- and replacing the fake $100 bill, you know, and, and taking the real $100 bill. I'm like, really, Monopoly? Like, that's still happening in our world? Like, people are using fake money still? Like, this is real? I thought, this is silly. So I read the article, just out of interest. I thought it was ridiculous. Two things that stuck out to me from the article. The first was position. Listen to this quote. He was just in a really good position to do the crime. I thought, that's an interesting statement. He was just in a really good position. So he was in the right place at the right time, or you could say he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. He was just in a really good position to do the crime. Second quote that stuck out to me was about protection. And the second quote, let's let's put the second quote up. He bypassed the first layer of counterfeit detection, the cashier. I thought that was really interesting. There was a layer of protection, and he bypassed that layer of protection. So when I thought about position and protection as it relates to the church, you know, being genuine or having things that are counterfeit, I thought, what, what does the Bible have to say about position? Well, Ephesians 4.27, it says, give no opportunity for the devil. What does that mean? That means give no place, give no occasion, give no space for the devil. So if you wanna be protected against counterfeit stuff going on in your life, then just don't give the devil any room. Don't give the enemy any room to operate. No position. What about Protection. Well, in John, 1 John 4, 1, it says, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to ensure that those spirits are from God. In other words, the Holy Spirit of God has been given to the church for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons that the Holy Spirit of God has been given is for the protection of the church, that what is from the Lord might be tested to be genuinely from the Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit. Another layer of protection in Acts chapter 17, verse 11, it says that the word of God is a protection, 
It says that the Bereans, they were more noble than the Thessalonians because they would examine the scriptures daily to see if what was being taught was accurate according to the word. And so the word of God is given as a layer of protection for the church. And so for us, how do we know that we're gonna be operating in something that is genuine? How, do we, how can we protect ourselves from that which is counterfeit? We need to be led by the Holy Spirit of God and we need to be holding fast to the word of God. These are layers of protection that God has given to ensure that that which is truthful and that which is accurate is happening in his church. Worship together, number three, to identify the church. Worship together, number four, to cherish the church. This is about valuing and celebrating with joy the church. It's about cherishing what God cherishes. Now, the enemy wants to cause humiliation. The enemy would like to humiliate you, and the enemy would like to humiliate me, and the enemy would like to humiliate Big Valley Grace Community Church. The enemy would love that, for us all to be humiliated. But Christ makes the church holy. In verse 20, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, for when you come together, it's not the Lord's supper that you eat. For in eating, one goes ahead with his own meal. One, one goes hungry and another gets drunk. What, what was it saying? Okay, it's this simple. When we come together and we observe the Lord's communion, which is usually why we use this passage to explain setting up the, Lord, the Lord's supper, communion. It's this simple. You can worship, you can come together in a worship gathering and you can physically eat a piece of bread and you can physically drink juice and you cannot be doing that with a heart to observe the Lord. It's that simple. It's just saying that you can physically put a piece of bread in your mouth and you can physically put juice in your mouth, but your heart is not observing the Lord. It's that simple. That's what it's saying, okay? When you come together, it's not for the Lord's supper that you eat. For in eating, one goes ahead with his own meal, one goes hungry, another gets drunk. It's just saying they're doing it and they weren't observing the Lord. And we'll find out later there were some problems that occurred because of that. Verse 22, what, do you not have houses to eat and drink in or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those that have nothing? So what is it saying? Well, it was saying that there was some people with low means and they were coming to church because in this setting, they're actually describing a full meal that they were having together. And there were some people who were coming to the church and they didn't have a lot and they actually were hungry because they didn't have a lot. And so they were coming and they, were, they needed that meal. And it was describing some people who had plenty and they were eating all the food, you know, and getting drunk and they weren't leaving anything for the people who actually needed some food. They weren't, they weren't considering one another. They weren't cherishing one another and seeing, you know, seeing the needs of others. It was, it's just kind of a mess. And they, you know, or you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing. What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. The, the Lord's Supper, what is it? It is about the body and the blood of Jesus. So the bread represents the body and, and the cup represents the blood. It's the sacrifice of Christ. And so it, when we take communion, when we observe the, Lord, the Lord's Supper, it is about recognizing the death of Christ on the cross, his burial, his resurrection to new life where he conquers sin and death, and then his ascension to the Father in glory in heaven and his soon coming that he is gonna return and that's the heart for when we observe the Lord's Supper. That's the heart of what we are observing. And what's being described in this is that people weren't doing that. They, weren't, they were taking it, they were eating it, they were drinking it, but they weren't observing the Lord. Last week we looked at in chapter 12 about how we care for one another. It says the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. So you may look around at the church family and go, that person's weak. Well, okay, then that's the person that's indispensable. 
On those parts of the body we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. You may look around in the body of Christ, the church family, and go, you know, that person's less honorable. Okay, then let's bestow greater honor on that person. Our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. You may look around the church family and go, that person's not presentable. Okay, well then we need to offer greater modesty to that person and come alongside them. I mean, this is the heart of the Lord in the first sin. Adam leaves, Adam sins and he leads his wife into sin. They're naked, they're ashamed, they hide. They take plants, they try to make a garment. The Lord comes in, makes a sacrifice to cover their sin, but then he takes the skins and he covers their naked bodies. He covers them. They were ashamed and naked and he covers them. What a heart, what a heart to cover those who are ashamed. I mean, it's, re- it's just really about cherishing one another. Christ cherishes the church and that we would cherish one another and really look out for one another. In Ephesians 5, when, when Paul's using a husband and a wife and explaining Christ in the church, he says, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we're members of his body. Christ cherishes the church. And so we want to cherish one another. It's really the heart of why we have shared about the membership class. You know, what is membership? Membership is, is helping to understand who is it that God has assembled here? Who is it that God's assembled here is the local body of Christ that we might honor the head together and, and we just identify who are we? Who is it that God has here? And we've been offering our membership class across our campuses, the Modesto campus, our online campus, our series campus. Now you can do online on demand Just go to bbg.org slash member. The heart of it is, God, who have you assembled here that we might honor you to the fullest degree? And as we understand who God's brought together here, we wanna cherish one another, really celebrate one another for the purpose of exalting Christ. Worship together number five to remind the church. The enemy wants forgetfulness. Christ makes the church remember. We need to be reminded of things. And that's probably because I have a better forgettery than I do a memory. And I need to be reminded of things. Man, there's times I'll read the scripture and I'll go, oh yeah, that's what it says. It says that. I forgot it says that. It says that. That's amazing. What an amazing verse. Well, when we often use this passage in setting up communion, I just want to help maybe bring out the fact how it describes how we need to remember the Lord, okay? Verse 23, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It is for the purpose of remembering Christ. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. We need to be reminded to love the Lord and we need to be reminded to honor the Lord and we need to be reminded to remember the sacrifice of Christ. And so God builds into the structure of the church the regular observance of communion that we might not forget him. Now, I wanna share with you two passages. These two passages are almost identical One passage describes what it is to be filled by the Spirit, and the other passage describes what it is to let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, because they're not opposite things. They're things that are working together in the perfect union in Christ. And so listen to these. Ephesians 5, verse 18. Be filled with the Spirit. Okay, 
Then what? What happens next? Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to the similarities in this next verse. Colossians chapter three, verse 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Okay, if we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, what happens? Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. When you're filled with the Spirit, when you let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, what's gonna happen? Well, you're gonna do some things to one another. You're gonna share the Psalms with one another. You're gonna sing songs with one another. You're gonna share hymns with one another, spiritual songs with one another. In other words, when someone's being led by the Spirit and is letting the word of Christ dwell in them richly, They're being led in such a way that not only the exaltation of Christ is happening in worship, but they are actually edifying and building up the people who are next to them when they are vocalizing out loud the truth of the word of God. Have you ever considered that when you come together for worship with the church family, that when you sing out loud, not just Christ is being praised, But the member of the body of Christ who is on your left or on your right is also being built up and edified because they are hearing the truth of the word of God being sung through song out of your mouth. Have you ever considered that? Well, we're gonna do it right now. I've asked Joseph to lead us in a specific song, the song In Christ Alone. I wanna encourage you to stand. We're gonna sing this together and that you would allow these words to be boldly sung from your mouth for the purpose of exalting Christ and understanding that the body is going to be built up as we let these words come out of our mouth out loud. So Joseph, lead us, my friend. Sing this out, church, in Christ alone. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, and my song. This cornerstone is solid ground. Firm through the fiercest shroud and storm. What heights of love, what depths of when fears are stilled, when striving ceases, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I Christ alone who took on flesh. In Christ alone who took on flesh. Fullness of God in hell this day. This gift of love and righteousness. Scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God. Satisfied 
every sin on him was laid here in the death of Christ I live oh Christ the solid rock I stand all other ground is sinking sand all other ground is sinking sand church let's Shout that out and let's declare that. On oh, Christ the solid rock I sin, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. No guilt in life, no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me, from life's first cry to final breath. Jesus commands my destiny, no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. Till he returns or calls me home. me home here in the power of Christ I live thank you thank you thank you for singing truth about Jesus Christ Because as your brother, I am built up and I am edified as I hear you sing truth about Jesus. Father God, Lord, as we sing that song, may it be true of our lives that we would live in Christ alone. And in Christ alone would be the filter we put everything through. And so God, help us continue to transform us into the image and likeness of your son, Jesus Christ. We pray this in that matchless name, the name of Jesus and all God's family said, amen, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Before we finish our passage together, I want to have a testimony that we share with you that will really set up where we're going to head in the passage next. So if you want to turn your attention to the screens for the testimony at this time. My name is Josh Look, and I'm a member of the Body of Christ. I was raised in the church uh, from a very, very young age, and that carried on through all of my adolescence and through most of high school. And uh, when I got to college is when I sort of started drifting away. Um, By the year 2005, I had been so far away uh, that I really had no Uh, resemblance of Christianity in my everyday life. I was not living a Christ-filled life at all. And um, I came into this church here, Big Valley Grace, on a a Saturday night back in 2005. And and before I knew it, I was on my knees and I was in tears and I was in a place of surrender. And uh, 
my life was changed that day. So when I started attending here, I can see that I was sort of a backseat Christian. I never really wanted to stick out or be noticed or, um, you know, held accountable, I guess. I felt good about myself because I was attending church, but at the same time, I, I definitely wasn't fully plugged in. You know, throughout the years, I started, you know, engaging and getting involved in different ministries. Uh, men's ministry is the first ministry that I was involved in, and it really was awesome to give me a community, uh, people that I could lean on and I could, I could come to in times of crisis and uh, times when I needed prayer and times when I wanted to share praise. Through that process, it brought me a lot closer to Christ. And um, when I was in times of crisis, for example, my, my youngest daughter was born with a really scary, terrible uh, disease, and it was life-threatening, and it was very, very scary. Um, I had that body of Christ to lean on, and it helped me really be able to get through that. Um, I don't feel like had I been prepared and had I had those resources in my life, I don't feel like I would have handled that very well. From the age of about 12, I started um, playing the drums and shortly after started playing the guitar and I started playing the piano and I started playing the bass. And I've got all these uh, musical talents and I wanted to get involved in the music ministry here, but um, I just didn't feel like I was good enough. Nobody here, I think, really knew uh, of any of my musical ability. I eventually gained the confidence to go talk to somebody. Uh, one day, I just walked up on stage after, said to somebody, like, hey, you know, I, I do this and I do this. Is there any way I can get involved? And um, I was immediately plugged in, like, right away. They took me in and they immediately wanted me um, to be involved and they started nurturing me and guiding me along. And again, that really changed the trajectory of my walk with Christ. In a, in a great, terrific, positive way. I came in expecting to serve others, and I got poured into and I got served. When I pour into uh, you know, a high schooler that I'm serving and I'm helping them along and I see the way that God's moving in their lives, it is so satisfying and so gratifying. Really what makes the relationship with the church is, is plugging in and you know, it's up to us to uh, to do that. So, you know, have an open mind, have an open heart, and just um, see what God's going to do in your life. I just love being able to serve and to pour into others and, and watch the way that their lives are changed. I just love being a member of the body of Christ. I want to encourage you, maybe you have had the thought, you know, I would like to become more consistent in gathering with the church. I'd like to have that consistency increase as a member of the body of Christ who's more regularly gathering together. Well, I want to share with you a way that you could do that. You were handed a, on the Modesto campus, you were handed a members of the body card when you came in. I would encourage you to check that out. Um, and the reason for it is one of the ways that you can increase your activity and, and, and saying, hey, I want to be committed to coming together is to be a part of the team that's preparing 
for when the body comes together to worship. And we've got a number of opportunities on our Modesto campus and our online campus. On our Modesto campus, I would share these, and these are on the back of the card, is that one, you might say, hey, I'm gonna be a part of helping with uh, younger people, with babies, with toddlers, with elementary, with middle school, with high school students. And you may go, you know, that would be an opportunity for me to invest in someone younger, you know, the next generation of the church. And you might say, well, you know, the number one reason why I don't wanna do that is because I don't feel like I know enough to be able to invest in someone younger. Okay, here's a thought. Why don't you sign up to serve in our family ministries and you come stand right next to the children as they're learning and you learn it too. And you learn it at the same time they are and God will use it in your life to help you grow and then God will also give you an opportunity to serve. And you might be thinking, I'm joking, I'm not. That's actually happened in the lives of many, many people. Get plugged in serving in family ministries and God uses it to help them grow. You might be thinking, well, you know, uh, I'd like a different opportunity. Okay, well, we have our help and serving teams, our his teams. It's from the parking lot to the moment you sat down and everything in between, we've got a ton of teams. And you might say, hey, I wanna, I wanna serve on one of the serve teams. Um, or you might have some, some worship gifts, some vocal gifts, some technical gifts, and you might be a part of our worship and production team. Uh, there's opportunity for you. Just fill this card out. And then place it in the black boxes next to the exit before you leave. If you're on our online campus, uh, Pastor Brandon has a number of opportunities. You can, you can find this card on our live page uh, at bigvalleygrace.org. But we have a, a prayer team for our online campus. We have a hosting team. We have an engaging team. The engagement team, the whole purpose of the engagement team for our online campus is we don't want anybody in our online campus to be isolated. Our online campus is not an excuse to not have to talk to anybody. We want to engage you as a member of the body of Christ in the life of the body. Uh, we also have a team that is a tech team if you have, have skills like that. So just fill that out, contact Pastor Brandon. We wanna help you get plugged in. That would be a great way to increase your consistency in your weekly worship is to have some accountability built in because you're actually a part of the team that's helping it happen. We would love to have you do that. So we'll get back into our text here. So far, we've looked at when you come to worship Jesus Christ together, we worship together to build the church, to unite the church, to identify the church, to cherish the church, to remind the church. Number six, worship together. Number six, to prepare the church. Not only are we looking at, you know, how do we prepare for when the worship gathering happens, but what is the worship gathering actually preparing us for? When the church comes together, what's it preparing us for? Well, it's preparing us for the return of Christ, that we would be ready for when Christ comes back. You know, the enemy wants us to be found lacking. The enemy wants us to be found lacking, but Christ makes the church ready. In verse 26, we see as it continues the discussion about the Lord's Supper and communion. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In other words, until Jesus Christ returns, we're gonna continue talking about Jesus Christ dying on the cross for us and Jesus Christ being buried, and Jesus Christ resurrecting to new life, and Jesus Christ ascending to the Father, and Jesus Christ is going to return soon. We're gonna continue to proclaim his death until he returns. It's our job to continue to do that until he comes back. And as we do that, that we would help one another be prepared. Be prepared, expecting him to return. The enemy wants to get us so busy and so distracted that we are not thinking about the Lord and his return. But we're going to come together and we're going to encourage one another that we might be prepared as a church family for the return of the Lord. 
It's gonna be a great day. Worship together to prepare the church. Number seven, worship together to sober the church. Worship together, number seven, to sober the church. The enemy wants to condemn us, but Christ makes the church disciplined. This, this passage explains that. I wanna remind you, or maybe let you know for the first time, one of the titles that the enemy has given is the accuser of the brethren. What does that mean? It means the enemy's yapping the whole time. We see that in the book of Job, right? The enemy's yapping. The enemy's yapping. The enemy's yapping. The enemy wants to condemn you. The enemy wants to tell you you're not good enough. And the enemy's yapping. And if you don't know the enemy's yapping, you need to understand the enemy's yapping because you're probably hearing the enemy yap and you don't realize the enemy's yapping at you just to discourage you and to accuse you. Look, we were condemned already in our sin. Christ didn't come to condemn us. We were already condemned. He didn't need to come so that we would be condemned. We were already condemned in our sin. What Christ does is he comes to save us. He comes to save us and to show his love for us that we might experience the fullness of the love of God in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us. And one of the ways that he shows that love is when he disciplines us. Look at this passage in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. So what's that saying? It's, it's going back to what it was talking about before where people were eating the bread and they were drinking the cup but they weren't observing the Lord. They weren't seeing the Lord in it. So they were Christians. They were followers of Jesus who were not recognizing the Lord as they were taking the elements of communion. And so they were doing it in an unworthy manner. So let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. It's one of the reasons why we teach on communion before we take communion every time we do communion. We have a teaching time about something related to communion. It's an opportunity for us to take a moment to examine our own lives. We all have stuff we need to repent of. We all have stuff we need to ask God's forgiveness of. We don't wanna rush into communion and take it and not observe the Lord and remember him. And so we take some time to examine our lives before we do it. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That's a pretty serious statement. This is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. In this church that Paul's writing to in Corinth, They were actually experiencing a judgment from the Lord and it's recorded for us forever in scripture that they were not observing the Lord as they were taking the elements of communion and they were were drinking judgment, eating judgment, you know, pouring judgment onto themselves and they were physically being impacted by it. Some were weak, some were ill, some even died. That's serious. That should make us think soberly about what we do when we come together as the church. It's serious. God wants to take him serious. You know, the sacrifice of Christ is serious. And man, we, want to, we want to cherish it. We want, to, we want to be reverent and honor the Lord. But when we're judged by the Lord, if we judged ourselves, truly, we would not be judged. So it's saying, if you, took the, if you took the moment to examine your own life and repent of your sin before the Lord and then honor him in communion, you know, you wouldn't experience judgment in it because you're, you're, you're remembering the Lord. But when we're judged by the Lord, we're disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So so we're already condemned without Christ. Christ didn't come to condemn us. But when discipline, when, when, when the Lord needs to judge our lives, when he disciplines us, it's for the purpose of making us more like him. So when the Lord comes in to discipline our lives, we shouldn't reject it. We should actually welcome that because it's God showing his love for us. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse six, it says that the people that the Lord disciplines he actually disciplines those he loves. And so it's actually a symbol of how much God loves you when he disciplines us. 
that we, you know, discipline's not fun, but it is God's love for us that we might be made into his image. So worship together, number seven, to sober the church. And the last one, worship together, number eight, to gather the church. And this one's kind of, I think it's so obvious, we might just miss it. I mean, we call this a worship gathering. Like the point is we gathered together for worship. And the enemy wants to isolate us. The enemy wants to separate us. The enemy wants to get us out, all alone, discouraged. But Christ makes the church fellowship. Christ brings us together. We, we come together because of Christ. He brings us together. The enemy wants to isolate us. Christ makes the church fellowship. I mean, think about it. When you share a meal, it's pretty hard to pass the digital potatoes. Like, I don't know how your Zoom family events have gone. I'd rather be in the same room with my family. To be together. Share a meal together. Be in the room together. Talk with one another. So the passage ends for what we're gonna look at. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone's hungry, let him eat at home. And that's really referring back to the problem that they were having prior so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I'll give direction to when I come. I mean, the whole, the whole point was, man, you're gonna be together. You're gonna be together with the church family. You've been gathered together for the church family. So, when you come to worship Jesus Christ together, we worship together to build the church, to unite the church, to identify the church, to cherish the church, to remind the church, to repair, prepare the church, to sober the church, to gather the church. All of this, when we talk about weekly worship, it's just one aspect of a really a big invitation. I would just want you to hear from me. This is an invitation into being healthy and active as a member of the body of Christ right here at Big Valley Grace Community Church. And I would want you to hear it as a huge invitation from me to you. I invite you to be healthy and to be active as a member of the body of Christ right here. It's why we are talking about the membership class all month long, just seeing who has God brought together and with who God has brought together in this place to be a part of this local body of the body of Christ, that we might be the fullest expression of who God wants us to be, that we might have the most health in what God has us to be. And being a part of weekly worship is a part of being healthy as a member of the body of Christ because of all these things that we just looked at. And for some of us, this series, it might be an invitation for you to begin in the sense of maybe during this series, you're gonna become a member of the body of Christ as you place your faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. For some of us, maybe we've had some systems, you know, if you will, that have been laying dormant, and this is an opportunity for us to kickstart that and to really seek a little bit of movement, right, in our spiritual walk with Christ that we might be healthy and active as a member of his body, him being the head. And we gotta remember, it is always about him as the head. It is always about him being exalted as the head of the body of Christ. And so I encourage you in that, uh, if you wanna take our membership class, we're offering it across all our campuses, the Modesto campus, our online campus, our series campus, we have it online, on demand. You can just go to bigvalleygrace.org slash member. Let's stand together, we'll pray, and our team is gonna close us in singing. Father God, Lord, we love you and we're just so thankful for you. And God, thank you for uh, how much you love us and how much you care for us. And thank you for the incredibly high sacrifice of Christ. Without Christ, there is no purpose for us to gather together. There is no church without Christ. Without the head, there is no church. And God, thank you that you designed 
salvation for us. And in that salvation, we are now united in the body of Christ. And as members of the body, we're a part of what you have called the church. Those who have been called out of this world to Christ. And Lord, would you help us grow? And when we continue to grow into the image of the head, into Christ. So we, lo- we love you, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen.